Shalom. Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 123 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this, all of those. Through this program, we are excited to be connecting you to people and stories in and about Israel to give you a window to look through about aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic, anytime. Or feel free to be in touch with us at genesis123.co. Also, please do share this with people who you know who will find it of interest. We're rebroadcasting this as a special episode with Dr. Stephen Green. Sadly, earlier this month, he died from COVID, but it was important to share this inspired and inspiring conversation with him, both in his memory, but also especially that he actually never visited Israel himself in person. And in fact, this conversation triggered a dialogue about how it was going to be my privilege to bring him to Israel for the very first time. Sadly, we haven't fulfilled that, but I pray you'll find this conversation deeply moving. And for those of you who knew Dr. Green, a suitable and fitting memorial to his heart and heart for Israel and the Jewish people. Today, I'm super excited, not just to have a special guest, but to get back into another episode of our monthly program, Why is Israel So Significant to Christians and Why It Should Be? And I'm really blessed, and I know you will be too, to have Dr. Steve Green here as, as, as uh, the conversa- having a conversation together about that important topic. Dr. Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network, which, of course, you know, is where the inspiration from Zion podcast is housed. After receiving his PhD in marketing, Dr. Green worked various large corporations and owned several businesses. Previously, he served as a dean of the College of Business and professor of marketing at Oral Roberts University. Dr. Green founded Bixby Community Church and served as senior pastor for 10 years. In 2015, Dr. Green started the Charisma Podcast Network with five shows. As of January 2021, Charisma Podcast Network hosted over 200 shows and has now had over 57 million downloads. And his show, Green Lines, averages 400,000 downloads per month. Dr. Green has been married to Annette for 48 years. They have two children and three grandchildren. Now, on a personal note, in addition to the impressive bio, I, as as a host of a program, on the Charisma Podcast Network, have had the real pleasure of being connected with Dr. Green over the months, hearing uh, great teachings. He's always available, accessible, and and su- surprisingly, and I don't mean that in a in a dismissive way, but surprisingly, every time we have a teaching, there's there's so much great learning, and and I feel sometimes because I'm an Orthodox Jew that I'm the uh, the odd guy out on these uh, webinars that we have together. But the truth of the matter is, it makes me feel like I wish I could go back to his class at ORU 
and be part of those. But I'm blessed and grateful. Um, Dr. Green is a voracious reader. He loves cookies. We speak about that all the time. And um, and what's interesting, and I appreciate his honesty and integrity, he's not yet been to Israel, which we're going to work on fixing and and then do another program. But but as we as he said to me just a minute ago, uh, before we started the actual program, he's not an expert. He's not an authority. And I said, that's great because we want authenticity here. We want to speak to Christian leaders who have a heart for Israel and help other people experience why. Dr. Green, welcome to Inspiration from Zion. It's a blessing to have you. Shalom, Brother Jonathan. I'm so glad to be with you. And listen, I I feel like I'm going to sit at your feet now for the, during this show and learn it from you. And I'm just honored to have an opportunity to be on the other side of the camera here or the microphone and uh, spend some time with you really talking about something that's very near and dear to my heart. I don't have to be a PhD in Jewish history to uh, be able to love Jews, to be able to love Israel, to uh, want to be there, uh, to be a supporter of Aliyah, to, to really get it in my spirit what it's about uh, without being, uh, you know, formally educated or experienced. Well, I think that I think that's great. And it makes it for a really what will be a really interesting conversation. Let, let, let's kind of start at the beginning vis-a-vis you. Um, at what you, you had mentioned something when you were a young man. At what point in your life did you connect to the significance of Israel as, a, as, as an element of your faith and why? How did that happen? It's really a good question. And uh, I, I know all of your questions will be uh, penetrating to me because I'm easy to penetrate. Uh, uh, um, actually, I was on a, a debate squad in high school. And we studied unilateral intervention and should the United States. And I debated all the way through high school, college. And so I was a student of uh, world history of whatever the debate topic was in the years that I was on the debate team. So I had an opportunity to start to study. And I think God made me, I, I wasn't saved until uh, I was 19. So I was debating before I was really, before I really knew the Lord, but I had a lowest praying for me for a lot of my life and had visited churches with her. And I had a real drawing and a real hunger for God, but I I had a hunger to understand Israel. I don't know why, but I believe God was preparing me for, for today and for what's going to come for me and the work that I'm going to be doing uh, with my friends who are from Israel and are Orthodox Jews. I've had a, a gift brother of Every stop in my life, every career path, whether it be in food business, television station management, uh, uh, consulting, coaching, wherever I've landed in locations, I would find a Orthodox Jew either on my board uh, in direct relationship to me, five, six, seven people that I hung out with. One would be an Orthodox Jew who I gravitated toward. Ah. Just I just loved them. They just... Not for any of the historic reasons, but they just were, they were me. We, we, we were naturally drawn to each other. And then the supernatural came in and began to take over. And I, I learned and understood anti-Semitism because I never did. I fought it so hard as a high school student. I, I knew it was wrong, but I didn't have the history of, of why it, it was so bad. And, and I, I just knew people were hurt, terribly hurt over it. And I'm, and I'm not, uh, being specific about a time period, it's just like forever 
But about the time I thought anti-Semitism had stopped, I know it was flaming up. And so I kept studying, kept wanting to understand it. So I, I hope that gives you a little bit of a background through my life, starting as a college student with debate, growing through my work paths. I always found my Jewish friends, someone to love and understand. And I love orthodoxy. I love those that really are, you know, every holiday is critical. They do, they go to synagogue, they do things the way Jews do that. And, and, and I love them. Well, that, that's a beautiful way of sharing your heart and also a purity of yourself as a, as a human being and as a Christian, not even knowing about anti-Semitism. Um, and that's amazing to be able to grow up in a world and then where that's the case. But unfortunately, then to have your bubble burst, and I'm curious, yes. uh, wasn't something I was planning on asking you, but at, what, what's your understanding vis-a-vis the history of anti-Semitism in the church, and how does that make you feel as a Christian? Well, I, I just know it's been naturally, my feeling is it started over a piece of land, but there's always been hatred, always uh, hatred for, for Jews, uh, Palestinian hatred. But, but then attachment and, you know, we, we all learn what we learned about it through Holocaust. And, and yet that, that it wasn't my source of training. I didn't do a lot of study in, of Hitler and the camps. I, I couldn't take it. I couldn't get through Schindler's list. Wow. I, I absolutely, it's like watching uh, movies about Jesus dying on a cross. I won't watch them. They hurt me too bad. Wow. And I don't, I'm not faking that. I'm not adding drama to it. I'm glad they're out there. I, I hope it helps people learn. But I don't want to study it. I, I want to study it so that it doesn't happen again. But you know what? I don't have to read all that stuff to love Jews. I, uh, I don't have to to have that kind of training to not to be to not ever let an ounce of anti-Semitism enter into my system. I don't understand the origin, really. Uh, I, I know biblically, I think I understand some of the reasons why and it, the enmity. But, you know, when Jesus was a Jew and he was proud of it and he spoke of it often, virtually every time he spoke, he spoke as a Jew uh, with with the implications of his uh, Jewish upbringing. And, of course, I've read Josephus. I've, I still have Josephus on my desk. Almost always when I'm teaching on the Old Testament, I refer to Josephus. I want to understand Bible times and culture as best that I can. And then, of course, I, I feel like I sat at the feet of John Hagee. Uh, I, I learned so much from reading his books. But I don't know if I've answered your question, brother. I'm no, just trying to tell you how I've been educated, and it, I've, I've got gaps. Do you think that anti-Semitism can coexist with Christianity? Absolutely. For about one second. <laughs> ah, very good. Thank you. Okay, no, it can't. Not a no way. It it just doesn't. I I, I don't know how a Christian could be anti-Semitic. It just doesn't. The two right. were. It's an oxymoron. Right. It, it is at oxymoronic. <laughs> you know, you you're just you're in a place where you're you you don't understand a word of the Bible, not a word. If you can be anti-Semitic and call yourself a child of the King, because the King is. From Israel. He's, He's an Jew. Orthodox Jew like me. King of the Jews. And that's you. that's your king and that's who you pray to. I suggest you get a real good study of that and uh, check your heart because your your heart, the Holy Spirit won't let you be anti-Semitic. Well, the Holy important. Spirit will knock it out that's of you. Important. 
it's important for people to hear, and I'm glad we went down this road because um, because not everyone like you grows up uh, in, in a in an environment that's free of anti-Semitism. And matter of fact, right. I, when we did a we did an episode of Inspiration from Zion last month with Dr. Michael Brown talking about. Oh, uh, he's great. He was on. Uh, maybe this will out will outpace it, but I have to say that he is great. The, the subject was. Uh, the trial of Jesus, the Palestinian. And we spoke about a number of things, the anti-Semitism that comes from that, from calling Jesus a Palestinian. He always teaches me new things. And one thing that oh, I didn't God. know, I'd never know, the Nazis came out with their own version of the Bible. Because if you think about it, of course, the Jewish people couldn't be God's chosen people. And of course, salvation couldn't come from the Jews. And of course, Jesus couldn't be a Jew because they were gassing and burning the Jewish people in their concentration camps. And so I said to him, what was the Bible? Three pages? What did they come up with? <laughs> it's it's astounding. Good. It's astounding what to Michael think of saying? um well, well he I don't remember his answer to that specific question, but it was it was unbelievable that it speaking about the whole uh, a version of replacement theology that we were then discussing and specifically how that's overlaid here into Palestinian nationalism that it's all coming from anti-Semitism. And, and I never occurred to me that the Nazis would have to even think of rewriting the Bible because, but really think about it, there couldn't be anything left. It would be a funny, um, it would be a really funny exercise to go to a, a, a Bible college and say, erase everything that's Jewish because literally you'd be left yeah. with something like three pages. That's such such powerful words there, brother. We need to understand that. And, and for those people that are listening that are uh, Christians, that goodness, if the the stronger you are as a Christian, the stronger your love for Jewish people must be. It, it, and it's not because you got to go work on it. You don't have to go take a class in it. You just have to understand the Bible. You've got to really understand what the Lord's teaching here. And it should come to you easily. It should Good. just be very spiritual. And, and may I add, your love for everyone, because that's Correct. the essence of Jesus' teaching is love your neighbor as yourself. So we we go beyond that. But by the way, I want to go back to Michael Brown for a bit. Yeah. I've had the honor to interview him over most of his later books, say six or seven of his books, since around 2015. And I find him to be uh, such a great educator. When when Michael knows something, when he writes it, when he teaches it, he's he's done his research. And he's an excellent writer. And I've learned so much from him. So I'd, I'd recommend him to your readers as well uh, and to your listeners because he, he brings it. He's On my so bookshelf good. here, I have one. I have a copy he gave me of The Real Kosher Jesus. And it's actually a very funny story. I told him, we, you know, being Orthodox, there are a lot of Orthodox students who come and at their programs here in Israel. And eventually we, um, which, which is an interesting digression, throughout the year, we are asked to host um, young students, young American Orthodox men and women who are here for a gap year during college or preceding college. And they're always yeah. interested in what I do, building bridges between Jews and Christians, because in most cases, they come from an, an Orthodox Jewish bubble where not only they don't interact with Christians, but even they look at Christians and Christianity as bad because of the history of anti-Semitism in the church. So one day it was fascinating. My office serves as our guest room. And one day I walked in on a Shabbat Saturday afternoon, two girls who were our guests were sitting on the bed 
reading Michael Brown's book, The Real Kosher Jesus. And I thought that what a great teaching moment. Um, yeah, he's had me on his show a couple of times. I was privileged to host him. We've co-authored articles together about Christian anti-Semitism. And uh, maybe maybe people go back and listen to uh, to that episode too, because literally, I and mean, we've only been doing this podcast for now just over five months, but literally it's one of the best uh, that we've done. And it's a real blessing. Let's, well, let's... I've got to listen to it now. I okay. haven't, so I'm going to make it, uh, I'm going to be very intentional about hearing it. Very powerful. So let me let me ask you. Let's come back to you. You you mentioned okay. that you're a student of history, um, and I know that you speak about that. But you and I guess a lot of the reading and you and if you're reading Josephus and if you, Josephus is your source, then then that's really underscoring that you're really caring about and going to to the direct sources. So let me. I ask don't you, understand everything I read. Of course, so that's okay. I, I don't understand it all. But I I'm looking for the culture. I'm looking for the people. I want to sit at a table with the people of the time and understand how the words penetrated, how Jesus' words and the words of the disciples and the of where they were and how they traveled and how Josephus caught that and relates that to me now in 2020, 21 here uh, to understand it. I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, no. But I fine. wanted to say that I don't want to present myself as Josephus scholar either. I'm a reader of Josephus. You're a reader, but and, you're looking at history. You're looking at it from a historical, yes. sociological perspective. Yes, By the way, I'll give a plug for for a book that's helped me understand Jesus as as uh, the the person who he was here in in first century Israel and first century Judaism. The book that I've read that helps me the most is Bill O'Reilly's Killing Jesus, because he really the really? research. Yeah, but I'll tell you the one thing that he nailed. Uh, maybe, maybe that's a bad uh, pun, but not intentional. Um, <laughs> when when he speaks about Jesus as as himself here as a first century Orthodox Jew, he he there was one episode, and I don't remember where that he's he's talking about Jesus' dirty feet in his sandals. Now, if you Obviously, you can you understand that people didn't wear Nike shoes in the first century Israel. But when you write it, when you have the presence of mind to write that people didn't have closed shoes and they walked places and their feet got dirty and they got dusty. To me, that really that really underscored a great understanding of the sociology because if we don't yes. think about it, we think about him as ourselves. We we superimpose our worldview on on that because that's what our world is, and that's and that's we're limited by that. So so anyway, it was so Jonathan. You know, modern churches today we do these feet washing. Yes, you know, we will call people up on a platform and we'll take off our shoes and socks and do it. And I didn't do it in my church. I did something else. So I. I I tried to find a correlation of serving. How can I serve you? So I would suggest that they find something in the church that people needed and find and for every couple, go do a service for them. Because that's what foot washing was more than anything else was a service. It was Correct. a very personal service. Correct. But we take it as meaning humility. And I, I don't think it was all that. It was very common. Now, you would know better. And, and I know it's, it does represent humility. It's symbolical of humility, but it was also very practical. 
It was very practical. And then, of course, if you're a first century Jew and you're worshiping in the temple, not the temple that you have in Atlanta or other places, yeah. but the temple, right, that King Solomon built. Yeah. Um, if you're worshiping there before you go to the temple, you you immerse yourself in what's called a mikvah, a ritual bath to cleanse yourself. It, it, it's a physical cl- cleansing, but it's a spiritual cleansing. So that's all tied into the sociology of first century Judaism. And, uh, you know, sadly, uh, a couple of decades after um, Jesus was crucified, um, the temple was destroyed and we haven't had it back. But but w- when the temple's built back, we'll have that sa- those same those same rituals and it involves a physical, but also a spiritual cleanliness. Um, so it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's so good, stuff. brother. You know, that's worth listening to this podcast just to hear you say that and right. for us to understand it. But to make it practical, we say to every listener, find a way to serve someone. You don't have to wash their feet to show them Jesus. Well, I and, love- and there's nothing wrong with it. Nothing no, wrong no. with people to do it. No, okay. nothing wrong with it at all. In fact, I'd love what, people what, to dialogue with us on this topic, to send an email. What, what do they think about this? How do they do that? What do they think about washing feet or or, 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 or what that represents? In addition to inspiration from Zion, another Genesis 123 Foundation program, Run for Zion, is the first program uniquely for Christians centered around the Jerusalem Marathon, creating meaningful and lasting experiences. We look forward to having you be able to join us in person soon, but now are offering you a way to connect from wherever you are in the world through virtual tours, webinars, and briefings. For information or to register, please go to runforzion.com. Join Run for Zion and bless Israel with every step. Let's, but let's jump back to you. You're a student of okay. history. What, at what point can you think of a particular milestone in your life? God God opened your heart to Israel and the Jewish people as a young man. But was there a specific historical event that you that that just struck you as being wow? This is this is real. Israel is 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 so significant that you understood from an historic perspective that added to your faith. Well, this wasn't the one, but it it was one of the most important ones of my life. And that was the establishment of Jerusalem as the capital with Trump moving the capital. I was wowed by that. I was overtaken. Had I been a high school student, I don't know if I really understood the significance of what a great big deal that was, of how many presidents have said they were going to do that and how much time we've been battling for it, I think. So that meant a lot to me, uh, probably more than anything I learned young. It, it would have been something I read in Hagee uh, with the timelines and timelines matching up, reading Jonathan Kahn timelines in Shemitah uh, and, and some of his, his work with The Harbinger. Uh, my goodness, uh, you, you can't read those books and not get goosebumps. I mean, the, the timelines, that this isn't a fiction book. They're, they're accurate. And uh, his, right. all of his books just point to more lining up of scripture with historical events. It's not name one, you know, with, with the, the last several administrations pointing to end times, if that's how we choose to read it. But it, uh, it, it sure points out what's going on between Bible history, what's going on in Israel, and what's happening right now in uh, international economics. Yeah. Uh, we're going to, and we'll jump into the economics. That's actually um, very important and, and, and great how, 
how you were able to overlay that because I, when I asked the question, I was thinking, okay, Dr. Green's old enough. He remembers the six day war. Six day war was the reunification of Jerusalem and a great military victory. But I love how, I love how you just tied it into a bunch of things. It's not linear, but it's, it's wide. That, that was a fabulous response. Well, I, I don't know. So I, thank you. I, I'm honored to, to know that, but it's not that I, I could answer Jeopardy questions about those <laughs> events. You know, I, I've got that kind of knowledge, but this is heart knowledge because I'm living it. Yes. I'm here and I saw it happen. You know, that we, I, I'm humbled that I get to be alive at a time when, uh, Aliyah is taking place and it, it's growing and there are ministries that are, supporting people returning home that people are coming home there's a reason why and i'm looking forward to the second coming is it now is it my lifetime i don't know but i sure like what i'm seeing and when that capital was moved it was it inspired me so much and it built my faith on old testament reading so you just touched something it's all personal i live here i i I feel like i am uh you know living in my own petri dish often and and when you talk about aliyah first of all i think a lot of our listeners may not know that aliyah means the in gathering of the jewish exiles the prophetic return which god promised we 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 were expelled we came back we were expelled again we came back and that and 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 expelled yet again and here we are coming back and it's the last oh 150 years that we've really seen the great uh return of the jewish people um, you don't know this about me, but my father was born here. My father was born here in the 1930s wow. to parents who escaped Poland and whose most of whose families were murdered by the Nazis. But my father, when he came to America in the 50s, yeah, in the 50s, um, he he didn't know that he was leaving more or less for good. But since I was a teenager... I've always wanted to come back. I've always wanted to live here, to raise my family here, to be on the front lines, not not watching from the from the bleachers. Um, and that's not to say because we're all living this tremendous prophetic time. But explain so so when when you talk about Aliyah, Jonathan Feldstein has six kids, one of whom was born in Jerusalem, five who who came on a plane with us seventeen and a half years ago. Why is that significant to you as a Christian? Because it it is a symbol of the gathering of the bride for the feet that'll stand on Mount Zion. You know, it it is the it is the it signals to me that uh, they're being drawn back to their homeland. Uh, we're talking about I'm just looking at U.S. citizens saying I've got to get home. They've got this heartbeat that's saying I got to get home. I got to get back. They they don't have necessarily a business reason to do it. But they have a spiritual drawing because I think it signals we're getting close to the end. I mean, I, I mean, you see it as a 150-year experience. I see it as uh, a 10-year uh, peaking. It, it be, I, I think that I'm part of ministries that are raising money for it, and they're making it available. There, I, I, you know, I, I help at at Charisma with you know, running ads and writing stories and talking about it more. So I guess it was my awareness and coming to the knowledge of the fact that, hey, this is going on. It's now. So I I didn't know about it 20 years ago. Right. I didn't know the word. Right. I think the words added to my vocabulary about seven years ago. 
Well, and, and you use it very freely, which is why I just wanted to underscore it, because there are a lot of people who don't know the word and don't know the, the prophetic significance of the fact that Jonathan and his wife picked up their family and sold the house and loaded everything on a shipping container 17 and a half years ago. Um, yes, I understand. I understand it. I felt like it was a pretty uh, modern thing and another signal that uh, we better keep looking, <laughs> keep our eyes open. We better repent. You know, we we're, we need to have the bride in, in pretty good condition here. Amen. Beautiful. Let me ask you a question. When you look at modern yes. Israel and you haven't been here yet, and I, I'm dying when you're here to be here with you and see. I will that, see you. Uh, you will see me. You will see me uh, because I'm already inviting myself. I want to be there and see how the, how dimension is added to your faith. You can't add faith. Yes. Because you have faith. But this is going to give you so much more experience. And I'm dying to have that, to, to, to be there watching when 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 you're here. But when you're looking at modern Israel from 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 Florida, what scripture comes to mind? Well, uh, there's so many the the traditional ones to pray for Israel and to love and you know those are the things that matter. But I, I think, oh my goodness, you kind of caught me. Um, I, I like this one. This may not be one that that you use a lot, but. Uh, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, he was referring to the Jewish people. You did it for me. He was Romans. calling himself uh, Matthew twenty five forty. Matthew, okay, where I, where I pulled that. I mean, it, it it could be other places. Okay, but it it is whatever you've done. He was for the least of these. Now we we normally think of that being little children or poor folks or or whatever. I, I see it as a direct charge to Christians to because Jesus said it, you're right. doing it for me. And and one other, if I could look at uh, the apple of my eye, when he, when every time I hear apple of the eye, I think of the Jewish people. And yeah. so that verse where, where he called out, um, he, he called out his brothers and sisters and said, every time you think about it, God said they're the apple of his eye. The pupil of his eye. You know, the pupil's got an eyebrow that protects it. It's very hard to get any, anything into the pupil because it's so protected. And that's the apple of our eye. And that's what God said about Jews. It's so significant and not counterintuitive at all that you you you, you recited uh, uh, verses from the New Testament because as you, as you yeah, prefaced it, no, no, but it makes sense. But I'll tell you what, when as you, as you prefaced it, People, people who, who speak, think about Israel, pray for Israel, will normally, uh, normally, I'm saying in quotes, think of Genesis 12, 3, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, yeah. watchmen on the walls. But, but why is it so significant to me as an Orthodox Jew that you cited New Testament scripture is that Christians need to understand that the Old Testament, the Bible I study, is the is a foundation for that, and it runs through the New Testament. It's it, yes. it, it, what you just said undermines anybody who thinks that there's anything to do with replacement theology is legitimate at yeah. all, because you've got Judaism infused throughout the New Testament as well, and oh. and the love for Israel and the Jewish people. So I did quote Zechariah too, though, when I brought in the apple of my eye. Okay, so that'll well. be good. <laughs> 
Um, you you speak about uh, you speak about we were talking before with your marketing and business background, the significance of Israel from a business uh, perspective and 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 the development. Can you give an overview? You've got a unique perspective that I've never had the privilege of having a conversation on one of the podcasts before. Why is that significant today? What do you what do you, when you're looking at Israel and looking at the developments and the medical thing? What what, what does that mean to you? Again, I think we are an ignorant people of what's going on in Israel. The growth, the uh, how the, the the land is prospering as it hasn't prospered. You know, it was a dry, desolate land. And right. in recent time, again, signaling the coming of Jesus, I, I believe is another signal that it would be beautiful, that uh, fruits and vegetables would be growing again, that the lands would return to green. You know, one of your top exports, I believe it's second, it maybe third, are, are fruits and vegetables. Now, yeah. I think I could, you could ask that people that question on Jeopardy, and you're going to stump the world on that one. That's correct. That they won't see uh, Israel as a as an exporter of fruits and vegetables, but that's how pros- prosperous the land is now that it's returning, and that that's another prophetic look. Right, and, and I'm thinking that- about. I don't know if I had the right scripture verse on Zechariah. I know what that Zechariah 2 verse is to me, but it may not be the apple of his eye verse. So I may have misspoke there, brother. Okay. So anyway, forgive me. But I want to go back to the land because also uh, I've learned through the pandemic how how much Israel doctors are informing docs in America. Like they're forerunners, they're leaders, they're doing lead research, they're finding things that, uh, they're really they get there first, and and I think the medical community in Israel is way more advanced than the average person would think. You know, just talk to any Christian in America, and say what what foreign country would you suggest might be ahead of the United States? They wouldn't list Israel, right? And right. I think they are in their study and their research on on this pandemic. Because I think they've been researching uh, pandemics as a whole for a long time. And they've just, they cared about it more. We we have an out-of-sight, out-of-mind mentality. Not our scientists, of course, but we wouldn't read a daily newspaper about it. We're in Israel. Uh, it's pretty common knowledge what what a great medical community you have there. Well, it's funny you so, say that because two episodes ago, we did a uh, we did a recap of the top 10 prophetic news items from Israel and and one of one or two of them were medical uh related but that's uh but but it's so interesting what made me think of that now is that you're speaking about not business from a businessman's perspective but business from a prophetic that this is this is yeah. this is got the fulfillment of God's promises and prophecies but, but I want to underscore something you said because it was really important uh again people who don't know that the land Mark Twain what was in the 1860s I think wrote that the land was desolate and he couldn't even see life existing here in any significant way. But when you talk about the the truth that we're exporting produce and flowers, and even I learned, you mentioned the Shemitah year, I learned that we export more of the wheat that we grow because it's such a high quality that it's a, the, the, the value on the world market is much greater. But when we're exporting yes. all of these fruits and vegetables and flowers, it's also fascinating because that means someone once said that we're exporting our water, which is incredible oh for a land that's oh over 60% desert. 
Yeah. And I didn't know that fact. That's news to me. I'm glad to know that. I'm going to add it to my, my walking around knowledge. Think about because all of the, right, all of the produce that we grow requires water. Produce. Yeah, of course. It, I should have had that logically. But I, I do know that uh, your economy is better than most world economy, most areas of the world. Uh, that's, that's a not known fact. Correct. You know, there's, because again, favor is falling back on Israelites. Right. The, the favor is there. God's favor of people and families. I'm still burdened. I, I didn't know about, um, I interviewed someone that's on the podcast network and she told me a lot about what it was like to raise children in Israel and how every mother's, uh, nightmare is the day they have to send them off to war, to, to, to the army. To military service, however you say it correctly. And man, I caught her, you know, she's a great Bible teacher, but I caught her as a mother. And I thought, you know, that's every mother and every mother, because everyone serves. And uh, uh, sons and daughters go to, uh, have to submit on their day. They got to go. And it's three years. And then they, they uh, I think they pray. She told me she started praying for them when they're babies praying for that God would protect them from military service. You know, that's not an American prayer anymore. No, we don't, we don't wake up praying for our children that they would survive military service. That's correct. So that's, that's still, correct. we can't talk about Israel without talking about uh, bombings, without military. Uh, it's got to come into the discussion. We've got to think about it because it's a way of life. It is part of the culture. It's part of the social dynamics. And so I can't talk about fruits and vegetables and tourism without saying, yeah, but Palestine and the Arabs and, and, and the issues, we, we, it has to be in our conversation. It it's has real. to be in our conversation. When I, I haven't traveled since the beginning of the pandemic. I'm hoping I can get back on the road. I used to spend 100 nights a year in the, in the U.S., and that's mostly visiting churches and speaking at evangelical conferences and what have you. And I have a... I wouldn't say it's a stock speech, but I, I discussed that the blessings mm-hmm. and the challenges of living here. But I would I would um, uh, push back against that uh, Jewish mother that you are referencing because I'll tell you I'll tell you a couple of very intimate things. When my oldest son, he's twenty three, received his first military call up at sixteen years old, we were having yep. a conversation around our dinner table on a Friday evening, a Shabbat dinner table. And I said to him, in front of all my other kids, you know, you should go into the unit 8200. That's the big military intelligence unit, because you're very analytical. You'd be very good there. And, it, and, and those who go into the 8200 unit have their futures made, because that's where a lot of the innovations come out of. And one after the other, and you, you have kids, and kids don't always get along. And, and my kids don't get along anymore, any worse than anyone else's, but they, and they, they bicker one after another, his three older sisters said to me in a, in a disdainful way, Abba, what are you talking about? He's going to be a great combat soldier, just like all of our friends. And then, and I'll tell you one of the, uh, I get teary eyed thinking about it. One of the most proud moments of my life, two of them was the day we took him to, to his induction. And yes. when we sent him off, I've got a beautiful, beautiful photos etched in my brain. That wasn't a day of fear. That was a day of pride that I'm raising Jewish children 
who go and defend our sovereignty here. And I'll also tell you, yeah. when he, after basic training, eight months later, when they receive their berets, he's a paratrooper, so he wears a red beret. There's an honor that's given to one uh, soldier per unit to receive their commander's beret. And, and I'm going to cry thinking about it, but but okay. he he was standing there, and my son stood in front of his commander, who took off his hat, a sign of honor, and put it on my son's head. Those wow. now I'll I'll share. We're di- we're completely digressing, but as long as we are, I will tell you. This past May, May tenth, it was for sure one of the scariest days of my life. We we were at a fam a wedding of a family friend, and my son got off from the army to come home for the wedding, and we were all there together celebrating. And about seven thirty at night, he came over to me. And he said, Ab, I need the car keys. I have to go back to base. Um, that was when the ro- that's when the terrorists started shooting rockets and he had to go back to be in the front line. Not only did my son have to go, but my son-in-law, who's in reserves, had to go. And I had two daughters who drove them down into the war zone thinking, oh my God, what's happening here? And that was, that was terrifying, but sure. still with such pride. What's such pride? Jonathan, I want to correct one thought that the woman who was speaking to me is a very powerful leader. And and no way did she not consider it an honor for her children to serve. She okay. just had a mother's concern about losing a child in the war. That's all. Okay. But, so I, did, I just wanted to clarify that. Thank you. Know what Thank I'm you. Talking about because there's, she was clear about that. There's definite, said, definitely fear. No, there's no. definitely fear involved, but there's no less pride. I want to pause in the conversation for just a moment to invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do as part of the Genesis 123 Foundation. This year, we have been going out all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed, keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter if we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing before the wind chill. They are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers. You can join us and donate at genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. That's genesis123 co slash bless a soldier. And when you do, you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people. Please join us. Anyway, let's come back to you. I was, I didn't mean to go on a soapbox, but it was real interesting. Great story. Um, Thank you. So we spoke, we were speaking before about uh, biblical verses, scripture, what scripture means when God says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and be a watchman on the wall and bless Israel, along with many, many other injunctions that that relate to this place and, and our people. What does it mean to you on a day to day basis, praying, being a watchman, blessing Israel? How does that play out in, in uh, Dr. Stephen Green's life? Uh, that's a penetrating question, brother. And I'll say it, it, it started 
uh, most recently the last seven years because of my podcast network, not my network, but the podcast network in which, you know, I've got a show and I interview a lot of Jewish writers, a lot of rabbis. I sit under them, listen to them teach on the podcast. And so I feel like I want to honor them, get them as, as much press as I can, tell their story, give them a lot of airtime, uh, recommend them to other shows. Let, I, I just want to help in the media community uh, that I think the more we stamp out ignorance, the better we are. You know, if we can add yes. intelligent conversation about the plight, the, the, the better. So I think that's part of it. And then, of course, I pray in a very personal way. I would be a fraud if I only did the business side of it and not followed the commands of the Lord to pray for my friends and the people that I love and care about and pray for these wars that, that cease, for God's will be done and for, you know, for Jesus to come again. I think the best way that I can pray a Jewish prayer is even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. I, I think that's a Jewish prayer. <laughs> Uh, it certainly will. Uh... Uh, that's that's how I deal with it, brother. I think I I look forward to meetings like this. I mean, I, I, I'm intimidated by it because I'm sitting in someone who is scholarly and uh, very heady and knowledgeable. And then there's me who tiptoes and makes sure that I don't want to offend anyone with my lack of knowledge. But I have a great heart and love for Jewish people. And that's oh, the truth. So, so actually, that that leads into the, one of the last two things that I wanted to specifically ask you about. What do you want Jews? It, it, it's not usual still that Jews and Christians fellowship like this. That you have an Orthodox Jewish host on the Charisma Podcast Network with a weekly program about Israel, and a lot of Jews give pushback for a whole lot of reasons. I I feel it personally from from Jewish some friends and some people who I don't care about as much. What do you want Jews and Israelis to understand about why Israel is significant to you personally and is, and Christians in general? That whether they have the intellectual understanding or not, Jesus is coming back. And there are events that are going to take place and your opinions and your biases and your minded uh, intellect is not going to change the fact that, that Jesus is going to come back and these things are going to occur, that there are Bible facts and there are timelines that are, that they're going to take place. It's just going to happen. And I, and I think the more people we just say, stay, I guess I'm an advocate of Christian education and Jewish education. I, I'm an advocate of uh, learn your Old Testament, learn, learn the coming, learn what these moons mean. It's not silly. It's right. significant. And, you know, I've studied a lot with Jonathan Kahn. So, you know, I, I had a completely new understanding of blood moon and, and the, some of the later moons that have happened in the last year or two have, have been good for me to understand because when events happen, that's a great time to be a student and go yes. dig and, and get with a rabbi and ask questions. I mean, I, I call my Orthodox Jew friends and I say, okay, what's going on? I, I hear about this. And I'm still learning all the festivals and and trying to understand what's happening. And I'm, I'm getting it and I understand it. I, I think uh, we just went through a great season to to understand that, uh, the, the light and understand that the making sure that we are people of light and 
that is not a festival for uh, Jews. It's a festival for all Christians. And we got to understand that, understand that, that, that those lights are important to me now the, in the a way that they never were. I never understood them. No, I do. That's so I, I guess I'm saying, brother, here's, here's my call to arms. Uh, arm yourself with knowledge. Try to try to lay aside all biases, things you think you know or you hear. And you may know exactly right. You may be dead on. But dare to pick up uh, Josephus, pick up some Bible studies on end times and listen to some uh, end times teachers because you're going to learn a lot of Jewish history by doing that. And then, you know, hang out with your local rabbi and uh, break bread with him and, you know, become friends and listen which is what we would with anyone that you know we care about and love. Well, that you you, you also just sense. answered. No, that was beautiful. And in fact, you just answered the, the the next question, which was, "What do you want other Christians to know about Israel and why it's important and what what they what they need to know?" Is there anything else you would add? I mean, that was beautiful what you just said. I I just think love, just love, and it, you know, my, that's the book I wrote in leadership was love leads. Well, love follows too, and love is inquisitive, and I want to know more. I want to understand. Seek first to understand, then be understood. See, I I love being an interviewer because I'm seeking first to understand. It's uh-huh. uncomfortable for me every time you say, "Let's go back to you," because that's not <laughs> that's not what I do. You know, I don't want to talk about me. I want to. I really want to talk about others that I don't understand as well so I can learn, do better, love them more deeply because I'm trying, I'm efforting. You know, when I was dating my wife uh, 50 years ago, I did everything I could to get to know her. I was hungry to know her, just to know what she liked, her favorite color, her favorite this or that, and what books she read. And I wanted to know her history, her raising. And I, I wanted to go see her childhood you know, homes and streets that she lived on. Isn't that what we should do as Christians and, and lovers of people? Absolutely. And and and, and so I and, want to walk the streets that Paul and Peter, I want to stand where Peter preached. Yes, wow. Jesus too, of course. I want to walk by the Sea of Galilee. I want to do that. Yes. I, 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 I'm not building centric. I don't have to see the shroud. I just want to feel the presence of the Lord there on that hallowed land. Well, as, as this is the first episode of 2022, I will pray that if not this year, certainly next year, that we make that happen, that you are able to come yes. here. And I have the privilege I of being that. alongside. I would love to, to have that. And and by the way, I, I, on a, in, in all fairness, there, someone's going to be my guest on the first episode of 2022. That's that's normal. Uh, it, it's It's coincidental in the sense that we had this time slot to to fit you in because the other episodes coming are are relating to Dr. King and uh, and and, and you, we mentioned the Holocaust, Holocaust Memorial Day, and things that we have coming up in the rest of the month of January. But I have to say, just your your last message about loving and learning, and uh, it, I'm so blessed to have that be our first podcast of the year that this is the message that starts out 2022 i'm very grateful, I'm so Dr. grateful for you and grateful for your leadership and training i'm so glad you're podcasting again you're there to inform to inspire 
to instruct. Yes, all those things. But, you know, knowledge gives us that awareness of what God's trying to teach us. The Lord wants us to know and to get it in our heart. It's, it's got to come into the brain probably, but it'll get to my heart. And because uh, just our little time together, I pray that this is the beginning of a divine appointment like this was this morning, a nice early appointment for me and a late one for you. But I want to say that uh, this is the beginning of a lifelong relationship. Amen. I look forward to that. I look forward to that. If you're a parent like me, you know there are plenty of reasons to worry about our kids. But there's one particular issue with enormous consequences for our kids that many are uncomfortable discussing, online pornography. As kids spend more and more time online, they're being exposed to explicit sexual content at record rates. By age 13, many are exposed to graphic sexual content that has serious lasting consequences, even though research links pornography exposure to worse mental health, unstable relationships, and other issues, the big tech companies are doing almost nothing to stop it. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Canopy, a new partner of ours that's helping parents take back control over what their kids see online. Canopy uses state-of-the-art artificial intelligence developed here in Israel to make the internet safe for our kids by blocking explicit material on every single website. You can learn more and subscribe with special rates at canopy.us. And when you use our special discount code, Genesis123, at checkout, you'll get 30 days free and 15% off your subscription forever. Your kids will thank you for life. Let me, this is Dr. Green, thank you officially. This has been a delight. Thank you for making the time, making time early in the morning and sharing your heart and love for Israel and the Jewish people. Um, it's been a blessing. I look forward to, to many more. Uh, with that, let me also just make an opportunity to, sp- to thank our sponsors. Uh, first, the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. I, I don't know, Dr. Green, if you know anyone in Culpeper, Virginia, but I always like to say that if anyone needs something from a greenhouse and they're in, in or near Culpeper, they should go into the Willow Run Greenhouse and get it. And if they're not in Willow Run in Culpeper, Virginia, or don't need anything from a greenhouse, just go in and pop in and say thank you and thank them for giving them a hug. Yes. For, for sponsoring, enabling conversations like this. And also thanks to the Coyne family as well for their meaningful friendship and sponsorship. Uh, inspiration from Zion, like all the Genesis 123 Foundation programs are made possible by donations. So please consider joining us to help the dialogue, uh, to build the dialogue and build bridges. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or a special occasion, please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com or at genesis123.co. As always, we would love to hear your comments as part of a dialogue and invite you to send any questions as well, especially questions you have about traditional Judaism for for the Ask the Rabbi programs that we do each month. And please share this. Please share this episode with others who will find it of interest, who need to hear what Dr. Green just said and continue to join us right here on the Charisma Podcast Network, or wherever you listen to your uh, podcasts, to, as we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics related to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy and send my blessings from right here in the Judean mountains. God bless you. Hallelujah.